0: Recently, Supreme Master Qinghai graciously allowed our Association members to gather for an international seminar. It was a joyous occasion as Master and Disciples reunited to meditate and pray for peace. During her visit to meet with our Association members, Supreme Master Qinghai also spoke of the teachings of past Masters and answered the spiritual questions of fellow Initiates. Throughout the ages, compassionate, enlightened Masters have urged people to surrender to the greater universal power by seeking the divine within, from which all other goodness and happiness follow. This message was echoed again in Sila Paramita, The Practice of Selfless Kindness, which Supreme Master Ching Hai shared with our Association members during the International Gathering on December 29, 2008. Today, I read you some of the Buddhist Bible. This is one of the advices that the Buddha gave to his disciples Uh, in the Diamond Sutra. The Diamond Sutra is a collection of some of the do's, you know? The do's and other sutra collection of the (laughs) don'ts. This is the do's, you know. Many do's, yeah, the Buddha says. The first one, for example, is to practice charity, yeah? The first one is charity. Uh, The second is keeping the precepts, yeah? And the third one is perseverance. And the fourth is diligence. And the fifth is uh, wisdom. That's right. The diligent in meditation practice. And the fifth one is wisdom. Yeah, I have to use your wisdom. Attaining wisdom and use your wisdom. So today we are, are talking about the practice of selfless kindness. It's called Sila Paramita in Sanskrit. Now the Buddha talked to his disciple. One of them is a Saputi. He said like this Saputi. When a disciple is moved to make objective gifts of charity, he should also practice the sila paramita of selfless kindness. That is, he should remember that there is no arbitrary distinction between one's own self and the selfhood of others, and, therefore, He should practice charity by giving, not objective gifts alone, but the selfless gift of kindness and sympathy. If any disciple will simply practice kindness, he will soon attain Anuttara Samyak What is Anuttara Samyak It just means the, you know, the highest attainment, okay? The highest is the Buddhahood, the Buddha nature, the complete Buddha nature. Okay, so what did the Buddha mean by we have to practice selfless kindness? Hmm? Anybody knows? Uh, when you give something, you expect something back or wow, whatever. Yeah, that's good. That's right also. Okay. What the Buddha means here, I guess, is when you give, you don't think that you're giving. Mm -hmm. You know, because he said, you should not make distinction between yourself and the other self, you know, between me and the chocolate over there, the chocolate brother over there. (laughs) You see, because when you give with the objective, thinking in the mind that, okay, I'm giving him something, then it's not a complete giving, yeah. It's not a sila paramita. Sila paramita means you give, but as if you give it to yourself. Like you drink water when you're thirsty, you eat when you're hungry. It's no big deal when you're giving yourself something to eat. Would you praise yourself like, Oh, I am great. I am give myself a bottle of orange juice. I am giving myself some charity. No. That's why when we do something, we just do it. Yeah? Because we feel The suffering of others. We feel the need of others, therefore we give. Just as when we need something, we give it to ourselves, so there's no big deal. There's nothing to talk about, yeah? We do what we can for ourselves, right? When we're hungry, we try to find something to eat, whatever we can find to eat, as long as it's good. Hmm? Good for the body, yeah? And then when we're thirsty, we find something to drink, yes? Not alcohol, of course, yeah? Some liquid to drink, eh? water, orange juice, something. So, if we give to ourselves something to drink or to eat, we never think of anything. Yeah, It's a natural thing to do. So, similarly, when we give to somebody, it is just like that. That is what Sila Paramita means. Paramita means perfection, perfect, a perfect gift, a perfect charity. It is when you give without giving. Mm. Right. And now, because we have the Supreme Master Television, (laughs) every time (laughs) we give something, (laughs) they all know about it. Yeah. But it's not like purposely like we want to let people know. You know, okay, maybe we let people know, but it's not for boasting about it or for having a medal or some prize or something like that. No, it's just that, like reporting. Yeah. And most of the things we give many things we do are also not reported anyway, yeah, including the thing I do don't always get report. but the things that are officially you know through the association members, then they just report it anyway and if anything we do alone or I do alone, we don't we don't often report about it, mostly don't report unless it's something special or it happened to be known, okay. If we have to give officially and people know about it, then okay, let it be. If we give without official recognition, then it's also let it be. Both are paramita sila. It's not like we have to attach to one form or another and say, oh, no, no. The Buddha say that sila paramita mean give without giving, huh? mean <laughs> nobody should know about it, you know? Also like in the Bible, Jesus say, when you give, With your right hand, don't let your left hand even know about it, yes. So that means what? I mean, you give, but like you did not give, yes? You don't record it in your heart, in your mind, like, oh, I have given something, and I grant, (laughs) you know? So this is what it means. Don't let the ego pop up with it, because that is not a giving then, you know? It is a showy act of charity, a showy act of theater, but it's not a real giving from the heart, yes. But nevertheless, we should not always hide the left hand from the right hand, you know. Okay, whatever, if the left hand knows, happen to know, then let it be known. And if the left hand doesn't know, then Esau doesn't know. What Jesus meant and what the Buddha meant was that we don't deliberately, you know, blowing trumpet and <laughs> beating the drum whenever we give one penny to anybody or do something good. That's what it is, yes. Just let it be, you know, whatever. We're not attached to one form or another. Because the thing is, the Buddha say that when you give without giving, a perfect charity, then you have more merit than when you give with the knowing that you're giving. But this is (laughs) just intellectual wrestling, you know? (laughs) When we attain this perfection, of charitable quality, we just give. yeah. We will not think, yes, I'll be recognized or not recognized. We couldn't care less. Yeah? Whether it will be known or not known, that is the perfection. Not deliberately also trying not to be known, and if somebody already prints a newspaper, you go buy all the newspapers so that nobody else will read it <laughs> about your charity. I, no, we just let it be natural, huh? because we give without caring whatever result anyway. Yeah? Okay. So that is the perfect charity. That is Sila Paramita. That is the loving kindness, the selfless kindness that goes with the gift. Yes. Because if we give high handedly like oh you know, I give it to him. He needs me. Oh she's you know desperate and I am in the position (laughs) (laughs) then Maybe sometimes this kind of attitude is not very kind to the receiver, yeah? Maybe make him or her feel humble, humiliated. In a way, maybe they, of course, they feel already humble, you know, are very grateful to you. But if we have this attitude, then it's not right, yes. We should give with a very humble attitude as well, yeah? As if we're not giving. As if we give to ourselves, then there's no need to, to have this attitude, making them feel that, uh, inferior to us, Yeah, Like they have to take something, hand it out to them from us. That is what it means, yes. So we have to be kind when we give, not just the material things that we hand out to them, but we have to give also with love and with a very natural, sympathetic attitude and kindness. As if we give it to ourselves. That's it. You know, we give because we feel their suffering. We feel their need. As if we need it. As if at that moment we are the one who receive it. As if at that moment we are the one who really needs that. Yes. Just like when you see your child hurt, huh? You, your mother, feel like it, even though you're not physically hurt, but your heart feels very, very painful. As if you yourself are hurt. And maybe even more so because you would rather have it than the little child have pain. You'd rather take the pain or take the blame and take the hurt yourself. So this is the kind of attitude we should have when we see other people in need or in suffering, similar like that. That is a true giving, you know, with a heart like a mother to a child. Let's continue. The Buddha said, by what I have just said about kindness, the tatagata does not mean that a disciple, when making gifts, should hold in his mind any arbitrary conceptions about kindness. For kindness, after all, is only a word, and charity should be spontaneous and selfless. See? Yeah, see what I said? Look like I know what the Buddha was going to tell. I did not read that before. Okay, now. It is exactly like that, you know? Because when we give and still thinking, I am kind, or that I should be kind, or I should be selfless, I should be spontaneous, then it's not spontaneous, it's not kind anymore. It's just natural. Just as we breathe in the air, that should be our attitude when we're doing something good to others, yeah? It's like we need air to breathe, yeah? So we just breathe naturally. We don't think that we are being kind to ourselves. So when we give to someone else, it should be like that. The Lord Buddha continues, Subhuti, if any disciple heap together the seven treasures, forming an elevation as high as Mount Sumeru and as many Mount Sumeru's, as there are in the 3,000 great universe, and bestow them in charity, his merit would be less than what would accrue to the disciple, who simply observed and studied these scriptures and in the kindness of his heart explained it to others. The later disciple would accumulate greater blessing and merit in comparison of a hundred to one. Yes, of a hundred thousand myriads to one. Nothing can be compared with it. No wonder everybody study, you know, the Diamond Sutra every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's nice, it's good to study the ancient scripture of the Buddha or any uh, wise master but the best is to practice it. You see what I mean? So the Buddha mean. even if you give in charity on material things, amount to countless of mountains. You know, Musomiru is a very big mountain in India, so he means, even if you give so much charity, so much material things, as many as you know, countless mountains in the whole universes, not just in this world only. And his merit is even less than somebody who studied this sutra, this uh, diamond sutra, and explain it to others. Oh, my God, so I am having a big merit here, huh? <laughs> I didn't know that. Otherwise, I would have read it a long time already. I did not read this. I mean, I probably read it, you know, but not, not like this, huh? Read to myself when I was younger, you know? Now I know I have accumulated lots of merit. Wow, congratulations to me. <laughs> Thanks to you. huh? <laughs> Wow. So the Buddha meant is that you study the teaching of the Buddha, you know, especially when the Buddha was still alive, that's it, yes? And then use it and practice it, yes, of course. And even explain it to others, yeah? Telling them to practice likewise. And that's how the merit will be multiply. Wow. Yes. Actually, the Buddha has always said that of all the charity uh giving the true teaching is the best charity of all, yes, but we have to make sure that we understand it. You see what I mean, yeah, not that we misleading others who, without us, would probably understood better, <laughs> so it's not just like okay. The Buddha said, if you study this sutra and explain it to others, then you have a lot of merit, and you hurry up, go and print a lot, and then give it to everybody. <laughs> okay, now, what he meant is when somebody observed and studied this sutra and explained to others means he already understood, he already attained this sila paramita, perfection of selflessness, of selfless kindness. Yes, that's very difficult. Yes, observe and study and explain it to others. That means the person already almost as the Buddha or as the Buddha himself, in order to understand the Buddha, no? Hmm. And attain that level of the selfless kindness that has been mention in here. Not just reading like a parrot or reciting it like a record player. This is different. Okay. So make sure that we understand all that. Hmm. The Lord Buddha continue. Do not think subhuti that the Tathagata what what Tathagata, you know? I mean the Buddha, okay? I mean the master, the enlightened one. It's just different a uh, title they give it to the Buddha, the enlightened person. Okay the Tathagata. Consider within himself, I will deliver human beings. That would be a degrading thought. Why? Because really there are no sentient beings to be delivered by the Tathagata. Should there be any sentient beings to be delivered by the Tathagata, it would mean that the Tathagata was cherishing within his mind arbitrary conceptions of phenomena such as one's own self, other selves, living beings, and universal self. Yeah. So the Buddha tells Subhuti that in his mind, there's no conception of delivering, helping anybody, or saving anyone. Hmm? No, truly like that. Even when the Tathagata refers to himself, he is not holding in his mind any of such arbitrary thought. Only terrestrial human beings think of selfhood as being a personal possession. Sabuti Even the expression, terrestrial beings, as used by the Tathagata, does not mean that there are any such beings in his mind. It is used only as a figure of speech. Yeah. When the Buddha teaches disciples, he has to refer to something, you know, the way they would understand it. Say, okay, teacher, and there's a disciple and a sentient being. But in his mind, in his heart of heart, he has no reference to these things. He doesn't think like that. He doesn't even need to think like that. He has never had to think like that. Everything flows from the Buddha, just very natural, simple, and just oneness with all beings. It's very difficult to explain these things, even though the Buddha has tried hard to explain it. But I'm not sure (laughs) many people will understand that, because you have to attain this level of understanding of oneness, the level of the Buddha, then we will understand what he means. Yes. Just like Jesus, when somebody touch his garment and say, Oh, the Lord has healed me. He said, Your faith has healed you. Or, My Father has done it. He has no mind, no ego, nothing to hold onto anything, any event, any phenomena any miracle, any extraordinary thing that happened here or in the whole universe, anywhere. His mind is completely empty of such concepts that we, thinking that it should be so, it should be that, should be this. Buddha never thought of anything. Everybody keeps saying the Buddha healed this person, and Jesus healed that person, but the Master would not have such concept in his heart. Maybe he say, okay, okay, yes, but in his true heart, no such thing that he claimed to himself that he's a Buddha. He heals this person. He deliver that person. He doesn't think like that. None of these things happen in the Buddha's mind, in the enlightened person' mind. The Lord Buddha continue. Subhuti, if a disciple bestow as alms an abundance of the seven treasures sufficient to fill as many worlds as there are grains of sand in the Ganges River. Whew, that's mucho, beaucoup, hmm? <laughs> beaucoup. <Boku, boku. laughs> and if another disciple, having realized the principle of the egolessness of all things and thereby had attained perfect selflessness. The selfless disciple would have more blessing and merit than the one who merely practiced objective charity. Of course, we know that already all, don't we? Okay, good. You're so smart. And why, the Buddha asked, because Bodhisattva, Mahasattva do not look upon their blessing and merit as a private possession. Ha! Huh. See, two disciples, he said. One of them has lots and lots and lots of money and, you know, possession, and give and give and give forever, you know, like endless giving of material charity, charitable deeds and the other one attain the selflessness state of enlightenment. The second one has much more merit than that one who gives limitless treasure to all beings in the universe. Imagine that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the one who gives and still thinking that he's giving, and nevertheless, it's still material things anyway. And the one who attained Buddhahood, that's completely much better, you see? Then he's liberated. And every conception about the difference between I and you all fell away. <laughs> he attained oneness with all beings, yes. He mastered the universal principle he will then radiate blessing, love, power, merit, all kind of things that will be bestowed upon whoever connected with him. Even if he doesn't give a penny to anybody, but he give his blessing power, then maybe that person is even getting rich from the blessing also. You see what I mean? For example, Sometimes you go to see an enlightened master, the enlightened master, like, for example, Kabir, he didn't have any money. He even had to go borrow money, yes. Or any enlightened master. They don't have money to give you. Maybe they don't give you anything, but you bring home lots of blessing. And then from the blessing, you are more enlightened. And the more enlightened, you're more intelligent and more lucky. And then you will just earn more money. But of course maybe you don't think that is the blessing from that Buddha or that master power. Remember the joke I told you last time, yeah? The guy who prayed to get a car park in a busy traffic time and he's in a hurry to have an important appointment and he was praying, please Lord, just you know, give me a parking space and I will go to the church every day of my life. Every Sunday of my life. And then miraculously, a parking space appeared in front of him, and he said, "'Never mind, Lord, I found it!' <laughs> Don't worry, I, I did it myself." You know? This is typical, eh? It's typical. Mm. So this is the thing. So you see, an enlightened person gives a lot. Even if he doesn't give anything, he always gives a lot. Always, yes. Also, the same. Sometimes I told you about the animals; they also bless his owner or whoever helped them. Eh? They bless also invisibly. And then you suddenly win a lot of money, or you suddenly being promoted, and then you don't know why. You would never accredit it to an enlightened person or a saint that associate with you or with that very benevolent animal. Yes, you will not know it, unless you have psychic power, hmm? unless you have intuitive uh, knowledge about these things, you don't know. How is that? sometimes we know, eh? Do you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so continue. Subhuti inquire with the Lord Buddha, What do the words Bodhisattva, Mahasattva do not look upon their blessing and merit as a private possession mean? (laughs) Now he asks a question. (laughs) So the Lord Buddha replied, As those blessing, and merit have never been sought in any covetous spirit by Bodhisattva, Mahasattvas, so, by that same spirit, they do not look upon them as a private possession, but as the common possession of all animate beings, of all sentient beings. Yeah, that is correct. Mm. A person who is already a saint, who has already attained sainthood, of buddhahood, bodhisattva, mahasattva means great saint in Sanskrit. Eh? Okay. Now, A great saint would never pray for, you know, any merit or any blessing or any possession in any case. So even if he has it, he would never care in the first place. So he considers that it's a common property for all to use. That's why if he has anything, he dispenses it freely because it's never his in any case. He never, ever wanted to acquire these things, and he never, ever considered that is of any importance to him anyways. Therefore, it's nothing. <laughs> he has it or not have it, it's the same. So when he has it, then it's like as if he doesn't have it. Yes, and he uses it only to benefit others, yeah, or himself, his family, whatever necessary, he will use it. He doesn't consider to hold it, to hoard it and to keep it. That is not the quality of a saint in any case. If anyone is like that, you know he's not a saint, okay? choice to listen to the Buddha talking about meditation or just a simple story. Anybody like Buddha and meditation, right? hand. And anybody like to listen to the story, also a moral story, right? hand. It's the same, right? It's the same. So... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Buddha story. <laughs> Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. <laughs> the Buddha wins. This is uh, one of the uh, sessions in the Diamond Sutra. Buddha talks about uh, a couple of things. First is charity, and then the second is keeping the precepts, and then the third one is about patience, endurance. And the fourth is about uh, meditation. And the fifth is about wisdom. Everybody comfortable Yeah. How small but cozy, huh? You sit here, it's fine, right? It's also good to have a fireplace even. There's some fake wood over there, you <laughs> see? <laughs> Make it may look like Canada, no? You feel at home now, no? <laughs> you do? Okay. Well, maybe one day we can make a fire, hey? I don't know how, actually. It look like maybe by gas, and then it make it glowing, look like real fire. Well, I don't think it's a real fire. Maybe it's not a real chimney at all. It's just for show. I like chimney, I like fireplace and all that, but nowadays, no time, you know? <laughs> Did you see the news today, Fly news? There was a very beautiful news today. As a European Union Parliament, they endorse kind of meatless diet. Wow! wow. wow yeah, I have to tell you. They had a a meeting and. Uh, it's something like they have agreed, you know, according to all the evidence, that less meat is to cut the meat methane, to cut the pollution and to halt climate change. So they're going to reconsider the subsidies for the meat industry. Before, they always give the subsidies to meat industry. You know that, don't you? Otherwise, the hamburger, Instead of one dollar it would cost say, thirty dollars or something like that. Yes. All your tax money going to that hamburger or beef burger, that's why it's so cheap. Don't you ever wonder why it's so cheap? Subsidies. Yeah, subsidies. From the government. And where does the government have money? Your pocket. <laughs> yeah, tax, yes. And then everybody thinks, oh, it's so cheap, you know, everybody goes to hamburger and beef burger shop to eat, 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 eat. And all the money you pay all the while and you don't know. Are you, ah, of course you know. No, you don't know? Money. Not really. Not <laughs> really? Okay, all right. You're eating your money. <laughs> it's not hamburger that you're eating, <laughs> it's your money. And then everybody think, wow, so cheap, you know, all these uh, fast food chains, so cheap, so cheap. <laughs> and everybody likes it because it's cheap. But it's not cheap. First, they came from subsidies, yeah, which is your pocket money, or your parents' pocket money, or your grandparents' or, or whatever. Yeah, continue. And then later, after you eat all that, you get sick also, and then also your money again, go hospital, yeah either free in the hospital or not free is the same free then is from your tax <laughs> not free from your pocket <laughs> both of them came from your pocket <laughs> wow oh, you know everything now <laughs> oh so when i saw that news wow i jump around <laughs> like a kid <laughs> i laugh and cry at the same time is uh, not a very big step, but it's a step. I can't believe we we live to see that day. You know, <laughs> I mean, European Parliament is a big, powerful institution, right? It's not just uh, you and I. I was so happy. I laugh and cry, and then uh, like a child, you know, chum around. I was so happy, and then my dogs were so worried. <laughs> They come around me, hang around me, jump around me also, and uh, kissing me all over. They were like uh, crying with me. They were crying because they saw me crying. I was so happy. So I had to tell them, no, no, don't worry. I'm just happy. Everything okay. I'm happy. I'm happy. You know, because they were so worried. They all jump around crying and, you know, whining, you know, and licking me all over. Oh, I'm drooled all over, you know. (laughs) I said, no, no, I'm just happy. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then they all calm down, you know? They never saw me like that, I guess. Yeah, now and again we have some good news, eh? It's worth to be happy about. Every day we have good news and some news to motivate you to work for the world. So you should watch it. Okay, let's talk about the Buddha's wisdom here. In the Diamond Sutra, one section of it, the Buddha talked about Dhyana Paramita, mean the great practice of meditation, the real meditation. Here, when you meditate, it's not real. You understand me? <laughs> Talking about the Buddha's meditation. Okay, then uh, Subhuti. Subhuti is one of Buddha's great disciples, na? Huh? So when he asks something, there is something meaningful to us. So here Subhuti inquired the Lord Buddha, saying that, Suppose a good, pious disciple, either man or woman, having begun the practice of attaining Anuttara Samyaksamburi, how is he or she to keep his mind tranquil? How is he to wholly subdue his wandering thoughts and craving desires, you all want to know this, right? Yeah. Okay. So the Lord Buddha replied to Subhuti. The Buddha said, "Subhuti, any good, pious disciple who undertakes the practice of concentrating his mind in an effort to realize Anuttara Samyaksambuddhi should cherish only one thought, namely." When I attain this highest, perfect wisdom, I will deliver all sentient beings into the eternal peace. That's the only thought that a pious disciple should bear in mind during meditation to calm his mind. That's what the Buddha said. Try it tonight. Do you know what is Anuttara Samyaksambuddhi? That's okay. The highest perfection, the highest Buddha nature. Okay, Anuttara, supreme, Samyaksambuddhi is the highest Buddha nature, God Almighty. Yeah, the highest uh, wisdom. Now, when we uh, meditate, when we undertake the concentration of the mind, we should bear in mind only one thought. That is, when I attain this highest perfect wisdom, I will deliver all sentient beings into the eternal peace of nirvana, eternal peace of nirvana, paradise, the highest paradise. Okay, now, can we do that? Do you have this thought in your mind when you meditate? No? What do you have? Thinking like daily thoughts. Daily thoughts. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Pretty much. <laughs> huh? Same? Who has the same like her? Raise right hand. Yes. yes? Okay, okay. I understand. No, I don't mean like when your mind wander around, which it does. What I mean is your motive, your motivation of uh, practice meditation is to help sentient beings, no? To help everybody else, no? At least to help yourself, to help your nine generations, five generations, yeah? But better still to help the whole human beings, the whole sentient beings and non-sentient beings even. Nowadays, you know, environment protection <laughs> also. yeah. But in the Buddha's time, he also already mentioned that, that we have to protect the environment. Okay, so if we, a practitioner, can cherish this very high ideal, like, okay, I practice so that I can deliver all sentient beings, then it would be great. Then even though you have not known the whole Buddha nature, you already have a Buddha attitude. Hmm? Just like a prince, he was still young. His father is still on the throne. But he must know that one day he's going to succeed his father, sit on that throne, and take care of the whole nation. He must know that already. He must have this motive in his mind. Similarly, a practitioner must have this motive, this highest ideal in the mind that, one day if I become Buddha, I will liberate all sentient beings. Deliver – deliver means liberate them, yeah? Help them to attain eternal peace in nirvana. If this purpose and vow is sincere, then all sentient beings are already delivered. Wow. And yet, Suputi, if the full truth is realized, one would know that not a single sentient being has ever been delivered. Of course, this is a diamond sutra. Huh? For all the Buddhists who don't really practice Zen or meditation, for them, this is the ultimate kind of sutra, you know. The highest sermons <laughs> of the Buddha, and they revere the Sutra very much. You know the book, yeah, the Bible, and some even put it on the altar with incense and uh, candles, and, you know, flowers and fruits, and <laughs> to bow to the Sutra every day. And the Buddha say that if your purpose and vow you know, like to vow to deliver sentient beings, yeah. And your purpose and your vow is sincere. I mean, you're truly honest with your vow, truly want to deliver all sentient beings. Then all sentient beings already been delivered. Just by your sincere motive and intention. My God, yes. But then, He said, if the full truth is realized, then that person, the practitioner, would know that there's no sentient being has been delivered. The Buddha asked, and why is that? sub because if the Bodhisattva, Mahasattvas have kept in mind any such arbitrary conception as one's own self, other selves, living beings or universal self, they could not be called bodhisattva, mahasat, Ba.. Yeah. And what does it mean, suputhi? It means that there are no sentient beings to be delivered, and there is no selfhood that can begin the practice of seeking to attain anuttara samyaksambodhi. Do you really understand what he's saying? Any of you understand? No, No. okay. Suppose the Australian who has came here to die, (laughs) (laughs) but he said, no, he didn't come here to die, so (laughs) he came here to live then. Okay, now, suppose this might here has attained Anuttara Samyak mean the highest perception of Buddhahood. Then maybe some trust him and you know get some initiation from him. And then they were sitting there and seeing him with his uh, manifestation, Buddha body and all that, and seeing the Australian mate, you know, taking him to the Buddha's land and visiting this and that and others. At the same time, do you think this Australian Buddha would think the same way that like his disciple do yes or no? no? okay, you got a little bit, but why know? Is he dead or deaf or <laughs> blind or something? Why didn't he know what his disciples know? Tell me, anybody know because he knows that the disciple can be enlightened by himself or themselves. And the disciples think it's he lie enlightened them. No, 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 no. It's not that. No, no. Okay. Uh, you understand something, but it's not that, of course. It's not that. It's not that. What it means is that when you have attained Buddhahood, you have no more ego like the way we have in the human life. you see what I mean? Like, okay, I do this, I do that, yes? I enlighten him, I enlighten her. But when you have become Buddha, you don't have this I anymore, yes? yes. So you don't have any registration, uh, like uh, office. It's like in the uh, center here, we have a registration office. Everybody come, <laughs> you know, and put their name on, and say, okay, I have come today, I go tomorrow. So in the Buddha's mind, there's no sentient beings come and go through the wavelength of his existence. Even if they come and go, he's one with all of them. That's why he can suffer with them, and they can be happy with them. But nevertheless, it doesn't have him and doesn't have them. It is very difficult for you to understand if you have not reached that level. That's why Lao Tzu say the wisest one is like the uh, ignorant one. The reason is the ignorant also doesn't know what's going on (laughs) with the neighbors, yes? And the Buddha has no more ego to register what's going on with the neighbor but through him and by him everything happens but he doesn't have the ego to say i am the buddha i have made such and such miracles and i have so much light around me and i am going to give him enlightenment although he does that but he never ever have a conception in the mind that i do this i do that do you understand just like Jesus said, No, not I did it. It's my Father who does it. Because he doesn't have any ego at all. It's very difficult for everybody to understand why somebody does something, but not know about it, and not register about it, and not take credit for it, and not claiming that I did it. Do you understand me? But the Buddhas are like that. Christ are like that. The prophets are like that. They don't register anything like that. They don't have an ego to claim that, I am the one who helped you, I am the one who enlighten you. They have no mind to discriminate between themselves and the sentient beings. Thus, they can deliver myriads, numerous, countless sentient beings, but they would never, never have a conception in their mind that I have delivered one million thousand people to Nirvana, do you understand me? It's not like the Buddha has become like ignorant again. It's not like that. It's just the ignorant doesn't understand, and the Buddha doesn't have the mind to understand this arbitrary concept about me and you and everybody else. Of course, when he was sitting here talking, for example, huh? to the multitude, then he would say, okay, I and you. But that is just the physical level. In the other levels, he does myriads of things, incredible things. But all the while, his mind never claims that he does it, because there's no more frontier between himself and others anymore in that kind of level of consciousness. Understand, yeah? Okay, good. That's why it is very difficult to understand from the intellectual point of view what the Buddha is saying here, unless you have become a Buddha. Even I have explained to you, but this is still in the intellectual levels. It's not the real experience that you have experienced. You see what I mean? All right, okay. Some of you have experienced miracles, yes? And you always thank me. Okay, Master, thank you for (laughs) saving my lives. thank you for stopping the accidents, thank you for breaking the car in time, etc., etc. Yes? But I don't have anything to register these things. So if you tell me, then it's the first time that my mind would know about it, my brain would hear about it. Do you understand me? because whatever has been done is been done in a different level. It's not at the level of the intellect. It's not a level of the brain that the brain can understand and register. Just like, yesterday I went shopping, today I drive a car, and then yesterday I go home. It's not like that. This is a function only of the brain. And even intellectual emotion or understanding, knowledge, worldly knowledge, they all from the intellectual level, from the mind and from the brain only. Everything else the mind cannot understand, the mind cannot register. And the Buddha levels, the Buddhas are Christ, the Prophet Muhammad, for example, Guru Nanak, the Jain master, they operate on that level, above the mind, above the intellect, above the brain. Therefore, they never clam, you see? Because who is clamming? The ego that clam. The brain that registers something that you have done and then say, I have done it, I've eaten a candy or something, then the brain would know it, would register it. Yeah, The taste would tell the brain, okay, she's having a candy, hmm? or she's eating a pizza, or she's drinking water or something. But above the level of that, no mind can understand no mind ever reach. Therefore, the Buddha delivered countless sentient beings, but there's no sentient beings delivered because of that, because no registration, yes, in in this level of the physical body. Yes, that's what it is. At least you understand, no? Ah. Therefore, if you are initiated, we are working, from a different level. Do you understand me? So whenever we are in this physical body and you ask me, okay, Master, give me some blessed food, you know, bless my wisdom eyes, or do something for me. (laughs) I say, okay, okay. (laughs) Okay, I try to do that. But even when I do that, I don't have the notion that I'm doing it for you, okay? And you are the one who probably will receive it. But then, if it's physical, then you can know it. Yeah. For example, okay, you say, okay, Master, please heal my hand, it's broken. Then tomorrow it's not broken anymore, then you, you will feel, okay, Master has done it. But something else, if it's not physical, then even if you perceive it, then you have to be on another level to perceive it. Otherwise, you don't know. Yes. So the Buddha continued to say, Saputti, what do you think? When the Tathagata was with Buddha Dipankara, did he have any such arbitrary conception of the Dharma as would warrant him in seeking to attain Anuttara Samyaksambodhi intuitively? So Saputti say, no, no, no. No, blessed Lord, as I understand what Thou hast said to us, when the Lord Buddha was with uh, another Buddha, you know, Dipankara. He has no such arbitrary conception of the Dharma as would warrant him in seeking to attain Anuttara Samyaksambuddhi intuitively. Now, even intuition is in the realm of psychology, the sixth sense. The sixth sense is still a sense. All right. So sometimes we say, Oh, I feel I like Master have helped me yesterday. I feel she was there. But that is still only intuition, you see? To be able to really see the Buddha operate, you know, in the Buddha's level, you have to be higher than intuition even in order to understand or to see. But then, above all that level, you won't see anymore. Because the mind is not there to see. (laughs) The brain is not there to perceive. You see? And in the soulic level, we are almost like identical, one with each other. So there's no, I do it for you. Yeah? You receive things for me. We are kind of one. We do it, we are individual, we are not like. Merging with each other and disappear, you know, all in one lump. It's not like that. But then we don't have the sense of separation. We don't need the brain to perceive the difference between us. We don't have the mind to know that, okay, the other one has done something to others. You know, it's not just like in this physical body, everything is done so obviously. I shake your hand, you know it. Yeah? I give you a piece of candy, you got it. So, physical level is completely different. Then spiritual level. Okay. So when the Buddha was with another Buddha (laughs) here, probably when he was learning, the Buddha was talking about when he was a disciple of another Buddha, when he wasn't a Buddha yet. (laughs) So he did not have this conception that he's going to attain the highest Buddha nature by intuition. Did you? Really understand. Yes. Wonderful. You're so smart. Well, thank you anyway. At least I feel like my work is bearing fruit, you know? <laughs> we are not even halfway yet. Wow, my goodness! I just really quick like a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we had a, a charity concert in LA somewhere? Yeah, And there was a man, he has a Guinness record for speaking fast, you know. He's the fastest speaker. This one I remember Moshita. huh? <laughs> and then later he even imparted the initiation to uh, <laughs> to the actress, you know, who also took care of that day. Ah, Debbie Raynor. She also spoke very, very fast. I was amazed. <laughs> It's so easy to learn so quick like that. Now, let's try. <coughs> the Lord Buddha was much pleased with this, and said, You are right, so much, you just it with it. It's not a bit of the conception of the Buddha as that. <laughs> Did you understand what I was talking about? No, too fast. Too fast. We rewired the, the tape. <coughs> it is the Lord Buddha was much pleased with this, and said, You are right, Sabputi. Hmm. Speaking truly, there is no such arbitrary conception of the Dharma as that. If there has been, Dipankara Buddha would not have foretold that in some future life I would attain Buddhahood under the name of Sekamuni. That was when he wasn't a Buddha, Sekamuni, yet he was a disciple of Buddha Dipankara. Now, what does this mean, Subhuti? The Buddha keeps asking. It means that what I attain is not something limited and arbitrary that can be called anuttara samyaksambodhi, but is Buddhahood whose essence is identical with the essence of all things and is universal, inconceivable, inscrutable. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I believe. (laughs) Yeah, incomprehensible. <laughs> yes, this is a problem when you try to bring something as abstract as a Buddha nature and try to put it into print, into words, into this cold and flat language of the human race. Then it becomes all like this, you know, all wired. <laughs> okay, we can read it. The Buddha was exceptional. Was incredible that he could even brought it into words, yeah. And then you must bear in mind that after the translation, there's not much of a wire left anymore. <laughs> Might be a different kind of wire. Oh wow, universal. Anyway, believe this. Whatever it is, he say is universal, is inconceivable and inscrutable. Okay, that's it. That's the Buddha nature. Now you cannot say that you don't know what Buddha nature anymore. (laughs) The Buddha told you already. Okay? Got it? Incomprehensible. All right. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) There was a Korean Zen master. He's very cute. He taught somewhere in America, somewhere near New York State. Yeah? He always taught people just anything don't know. That's it, <laughs> one word, don't know. Anything you don't understand, don't know. <laughs> Anything you desire, goes straight, don't know. <laughs> one word, don't know. <laughs> and that is a overall cure for everything, for his disciples. <laughs> what he means is that you cannot comprehend the true things anyway, you know? The phenomena, we might see it like, okay, and this man is in love with that woman, maybe. That is a physical phenomena that we can see and perceive and calculate with our mind. But the truth is not always like that. It might have been that they have been enemies in the past, and now they came together to balance out, you know, the debt, to making it up, yes, to annul un- the animosity. Yeah, between them, mean yes. Or they might be in in debt with each other, and now they have to come back together, maybe as lovers or husband and wife, maybe for a long time, for a whole lifetime, maybe for a short while, depends on how much debt (laughs) they have to pay. Or sometimes the poor husband pay already, finished the debt, so he has to go, or he wants to go, and the wife says, Oh, he's so unfaithful to me, he left to me. (laughs) for example, like that. So anything (laughs) in life, (laughs) it's not too bad to follow that uh, Korean master, you know. (laughs) He's a monk, a Korean monk. Everything just don't know. (laughs) Anything explainable or inexplicable just go straight, don't know, he said like that. (laughs) We truly don't know, huh? It's not like we really know anything, do we? No, huh? Even the Buddha nature, he says, don't know, (laughs) incomprehensible, (laughs) inscrutable. (laughs) It's been a long time since I read the Diamond Sutra. I read them when I was younger, you know, 20-something. And I revered it like a treasure because my monk masters, you know, told me that this is the ultimate of all the sutras. You have to revere it. Then you will understand everything. Then you will be liberated. Then you are a true good Buddhist. So I, I read, 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 you know. I read very fast because it's a long one, so... I read faster than now, of course. In the morning, I don't have much time. That's why all the monks, they keep the rhythm with the wooden fish, you know. And then he read faster than mushita. <laughs> The man who has the world record for fastest speaking, and the Buddhas had talked many sutras like this, and they are all precious,, yeah, according to my uh, monk's teacher at that time. But they just give you one at a time, you know, because if they give you everything at one time, your nothing is precious anymore. Okay, now we continue with this. It's very short, it's only one page and a half, <laughs> and we had fun. <laughs> okay, now, the Buddha continued. He said, Saputti, suppose there should still be a disciple who asserts that the Tathagata had some ideas about the Dharma that guarantee him in seeking to attain Anuttara Sambodhi. Be it understood, Saputti, that the Tathagata truly had no ideas of the Dharma that warranted him in seeking to attain Anuttara Samyaksamburi. Okay. Yeah, now you understand, right? You know what Tathagata is? It's a Buddha. It's means the Buddha. Okay. Also the same, just one of the name of the Buddha. Like sometimes you say to God, O oh God Almighty, O oh Merciful, Omnipresent, Omniscience, different. Now, the Tathagata means the Buddha. If even somebody, some disciples of the Buddha, proclaim that, oh, the Buddha has a method, you know, of enlightenment, just like we say Quan method, for example, and the Buddha knows exactly that is a method. Well, it's just a way of saying. But there is no method, is there? Yeah? When you sit in initiation, did I tell you any method? No, there's no, truly no. So even if we have to say like that, we say, okay, I have a quantum method for you, then you can become enlightened. But it's not like a mathematics, you know, two and two make four, and then you become a Buddha, that is six. <laughs> you know. It's not like that. It's truly not like that. Similarly, in the Buddhahood or, or anything else, it's like that. This is something that is not for the mind to even understand. So during the initiation, we just sit together, you know? Or I don't even sit with you, I sit at home. Maybe I was cooking for Supreme Master Television at that time, even. Yes? So it's not like, okay, I have a true method that is written, black and white, that will guarantee you to be enlightened. But you get enlightenment all the same. But meanwhile, there's truly no method. We say quantum method, but there's no method, is there? Huh? Yes. It is just universal power that is working between us. Yes, are working within us. Once we agree to tune back into ourselves, then the universal power will work through the master, or the Buddha, or the Christ, or the Prophet. For example, that's it. The whole thing is similar, you know? Like, okay, there's no conception about Buddhahood. There's no conception about attainment, enlightenment, and all that stuff. Not the conception that we can explain in the worldly language. That's what he meant. Not the conception that the people think in their mind that the human race think, okay, enlightenment is like that. Enlightenment has to be like this. The Buddha nature is like that. It's absolutely no and no and no. That's why after the Buddha spoke for many years, huh, many decades, and he asked his disciple, "Did I ever say anything?" I say, "No, no." The Buddha didn't say anything, and so many sutras, <laughs> incomprehensible sutra, yet he said he didn't say anything. Because the Buddha really did not say anything. The Buddha did not say anything. But Shakyamuni said something. The Buddha nature doesn't need to say anything to any Buddha nature. But the mind need to listen. So Buddha probably explained this to the disciples' mind to appease their inquisitiveness, yeah, to calm their mind, to make them understand a little bit intellectually so that they leave the soul alone and then we can enter ourselves, remember ourselves again, and be ourselves again inside, without the hindrance of the mind, without trouble of the brain. Okay. I really worship whoever translates this because (laughs) it must have been. in trouble with the Sanskrit term and the English term and all this incomprehensible Buddha nature in here. And he can translate it. It's incredible already. And sometimes they don't even translate this directly from the Buddha Sanskrit, you know, from the original. They translate it maybe from Sri Lankan language or maybe from Chinese, you know, or maybe from Vietnamese or Korean or Japanese even, from the many generations. Sabhuti. the Buddha continued. The Buddhahood to which the Tathagata attained is both the same as Anuttara Samyaksambuddhi and not the same. <laughs> the same and not the same. <laughs> like, I am me and yet I'm not me. <laughs> cool. <laughs> this is truly like a koan, you know? You cannot tell people that you don't practice Zen here, you know. (laughs) We are very Zen right here. The same but not the same. This is only another way (laughs) of saying that the phenomena of all things is of one suchness with Buddhahood and Anuttara Anuttarasamyaksamburi, and that it is neither reality nor unreality but abinds together with all phenomena in emptiness and silence. Inconceivable and inscrutable, again. Wow! Okay. In that case, we don't bother, you know? It's inconceivable. Why bother? (laughs) After all, it's inconceivable. Saputi That is why I say that the Dharma of all things can never be embraced within any arbitrary conception of phenomena, however universal, that conception may be. That is why it is called the Dharma and why there is no such thing as the Dharma. Wow, (laughs) there we are. (laughs) Okay, so whatever it is, is not it, okay? Now we got it, okay? Whatever we got it is not it. Right. Wonderful. That's why it's called diamonds. Wow. So the Buddha say that everything has the same essence, you know, in this essence. It's either not reality or n- reality, but a bind together with all phenomena. All phenomena mean all things that's created, eh? Hey? All their creation. In emptiness and silence, plain language is that we all have that essence within us, yeah. And that essence is quiet; it doesn't even talk. Just abide in emptiness and silence within us. Yes, there's nowhere that that essence is holding on to. So you can only say that it abides in emptiness and in absolute silence. If that essence were to be so loud every day, talking to us all the while, then what would we do? You see what I mean? (laughs) The Buddha nature. (laughs) Just abiding within all things, but all quietly, without any attachment to anything. Therefore, we do not understand it. Therefore, we do not see it. Therefore, we cannot perceive it. But we can perceive it in silence also and in emptiness we have to also become emptiness we have to also become silent in order to perceive the thing that abides in the emptiness and in silence that's why we meditate in silence we merge again with emptiness and with silence and then we perceive that which is ourselves which is you know the essence of all things and that's why we Perceive that all things are one, together. At that moment, the moment of deep concentration, we perceive somehow that we are all one. But at that time, we don't even feel that we and everything are one. It's just oneness. It's just oneness, one thing. Oh, so it's still inconceivable and inscrutable. <laughs> Sosabuddhi, that's why the Buddha say the Dharma. Dharma means teaching in uh, Hindu, in uh, Sanskrit. The Dharma of all things, the essence of all things, the true essence, the true teaching, the true name of all things cannot be embraced. You cannot understand in any of the arbitrary conception of this wordy language. That's what the Buddha means. That is why it is called the Dharma, and why there's no such thing as a Dharma? Okay, we stop it here because that's it, okay? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you still want to seek your Buddha nature since it's not a Buddha nature? <laughs> you wanna still come here to learn the Dharma since it's not the Dharma? So what do we do? You still want to sit around, yeah? Do you want to know? Buddha nature, yeah? In silence, yes. Well, all the things that you said to me, like, Oh, Master, I meditate and I reap big benefits. Yes, I have this and that miracles happen to me. These are just small things. Yeah. These are just the little toys for comfort while you are in this transient and suffering world. Buddha nature is yourself. It's something greater than all these phenomena, greater than all these miracles. So don't be so happy just some miracles happen. Okay? Strive further. Go more, more inward. You have to aim to get the real essence of all things, yeah, the real self. Do not stop at miracles. Miracles happen all the time, whether you know it or not know it. Why? You are a miracle. You are the treasure of miracles. And when you awaken that miraculous power within you, things all come out. All sorts of things come out. Like this box here is full of candies. If they cover it, you don't see it. I just. Empty it all out and then you see all sorts of candies. It's originally in there already. You okay? It's like here you don't see anything but the juice in it. Yeah. If you open it and you put it out all juice come out. So either you think the master make miracles for you, or either you think you have miracles within you, both are correct. Because we are one. Okay? Your treasure is my treasure. <laughs> okay? Your problem is my problem. It's just the time and space and physical condition separate us, make us think that we are not one, but we are one. That's all there is, okay? And so we have to seek this oneness, yeah? seek the true nature of all things, within the tree, within the stones, within the fish, within the worm, within the insect. Yeah? Within yourself. This is what we want to seek, because we are all one. So if you are liberated, then all the things that are liberated also. That's why the Buddha say. truly, if you sincerely want to deliver all sentient beings, then all sentient beings will we, we'll be delivered, but none will be delivered at the same time. Because we are all one, so there's no sentient beings. But nevertheless, <laughs> if we become Buddha, then we realize that we are one. Otherwise, there are a lot of sentient beings, Yeah, because we don't realize the oneness yet. But once we truly want to deliver all sentient beings, then we became Buddha. And then everything is free. Not the five generations, but many generations.